This podcast is produced by Northwest Michigan Community Action Agency. The Collective Us, an NMCAA podcast, focuses on inspiring you through stories of those we've helped through our programming or by linking local resources to community members in need. Join us as we learn about the programs offered through NMCAA and how we touch people's lives every day. Welcome back to The Collective Us. I am Erica Austin. And I'm Ryan Buck, and we are so excited to talk with our guest about today's topic. Yes, we are. Should we jump right in? I think that's a good idea. Our first guest today is making her second appearance on the show. Welcome back, Lisa Robichek, Meals on Wheels manager. How are you? I'm good. I'm so thrilled to be back here. Thanks so much. Welcome back, Lisa. And joining her today is Wexford Masaki Meals on Wheels coordinator, Amanda Mettler. And today we're talking about Meals on Wheels and Senior Citizens Day. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you. Senior Citizens Day, I'm going to just give you guys a quick rundown, takes place on August 21st. This is the day to focus on seniors in your life, taking the day to let them know how much you care and recognize their accomplishments. President Ronald Reagan took the initiative to honor seniors in 1988, stating, Throughout history, older people have achieved so much for our families, our communities, and our country. That remains true today and gives us ample reason this year to reserve a special day in honor of the senior citizens who mean so much to our land. For all they have achieved throughout life and all they continue to accomplish, we owe older senior citizens our thanks and heartfelt salute. With that in mind, Lisa, we know that at Meals on Wheels, this attitude is more than just a day. It's a way of life for the way you and your employees and volunteers interact with our seniors. Can you give us a recap on the Meals on Wheels program if listeners are unsure of what it's about? Yeah, I would love to. So Meals on Wheels is a program within NMCAA, and we cover four counties, Grand Traverse, Leelanau, Wexford, and Misaki. I'm so excited to have Amanda Mettler here from Wexford and Misaki. And the goal is to provide, first of all, nutrition vital nutrition, people need to have food to eat or they won't be healthy. So that's the first and foremost. And then besides that, it's more than a meal. And I'm so excited to expand on the more than a meal here with Senior Citizens Day, like you were talking about, because it is every day is Senior Citizens Day showing what how people care, recognizing what they've accomplished in their life. We feel like seniors have given so much in their life. Now it's our turn to give back to them. And it's checking on them, making sure they're alive and well, first of all. So it's a safety check. But then the more than a meal is, like we said, showing that they care. They become kind of part of a family. We're going to share some stories today about that. And then the goal of both those things is be able to help people be independent. I'm going to talk about a lady today who's been in a home for 60 years. And she said she she knows that home like the back of her hand. And so many of our seniors do. And that's why that's exactly where they want to be. And sometimes a program like Meals on Wheels is the main thing that can enable people to do that, be in their home, which is exactly where they want to be. Thanks for that. That's incredible. And it's very inspiring to hear you talk about it because of that piece of it is so much more than that meal. And so much is riding on your team being perceptive and aware and engaging with that client. But one thing that's been really particularly inspiring to me is the stories and the client stories and guest stories, because there's a lot of them. So we're doing a little something different on the show, and we're going to highlight some fantastic client stories. So Amanda, are you okay with starting us off with a client story? Sure, absolutely. Thank you. I had called a client that was interested in starting meals, and she was a little bit hesitant at first. She's on a fixed income, which most of our clients are. She had fallen down, and she wasn't able to get around as well as she once was. She loves to garden, pick her vegetables out of her garden and she wasn't able to get out to the garden because of the fall. She told me that she didn't think she would qualify for meals because she wouldn't be able to pay for them. I let her know that we are based on donations only. If she could donate, that would be great, but she wouldn't have to worry if she wouldn't be able to donate. Is that always the case? It is. Absolutely. Wanted to let me know that she didn't think this would be a long-term situation for her. She could still drive, but at this time she was having difficulty driving because she couldn't stand or walk to get to her car. Um, After I went through the pre-screen questionnaires with her, we determined that she was eligible for Meals on Wheels, which the eligibility at this time is 16 over and homebound. And because she couldn't walk and get out, she was considered homebound. This brought tears to her eyes. She was crying on the telephone with me, letting me know that she was so appreciative for us being able to help her. She reached back out to me and let me know that the food was amazing. 
she appreciated the meal so much and she wouldn't know what to do without our help. So it was very touching for me. There are so many aspects of that are pretty miraculous and it takes a lot on both sides. So she had to have the ability to, to contact and a lot of concern on her side. What was fascinating to me is her her comment about the length of time she was going to need help. Is that something that that clients factor in, think to factor in? Um, because it didn't occur to me. It just occurs to me that I am in need. Can you help? Right. Some do and some don't. I'm. We don't look at it on a timeline. Right. That's what I was going to say. Wow. We don't look at it that way. We do what are called assessments. And that helps determine the eligibility. If someone is in a predicament where they fall or they break a hip or something in that manner, we do assessments every six months. And if they are better and they're getting out and they're more active and they don't need the meals as much, then they can they can call and take themselves off the program. Individualized journey tailored to their needs. With the idea of moving them towards that independence, however that looks for them. And Amanda, you're the Meals on Wheels coordinator in the Wexford, Misaki region. And what I'm fascinated about really, because you just talked about a little bit of it, is what are the, what's the day-to-day? Because you just had, you just talked about, that was part of your day, this emotional call with somebody. What else happens for you in a day? Well, I start my day by getting to the kitchen, actually, because we're a little bit short-staffed. It seems to be a thing. And I get the route sheets all ready for the drivers that come in. And then I help in the kitchen most most days. What does that look like? We, The kitchen staff comes in about quarter to five in the morning. I don't get there that early. <laughs> I was just going to say, <laughs> do you? <laughs> Not typically. Most. I bet you have, though. Oh, I'm ab- seeing that you've I- been there once or twice, at least at that time. I have. Mm-hmm. Most days, especially in the summer when my children are not in school. I'm there by six helping in the kitchen. We scoop the meals. They're all home cooked. So we're putting them in the trays, getting them sealed up and then put into the freezer because all our meals go out frozen right now. So we're scooping. We have our head cook that's cooking, the assistant cook, which is the staff that I have right now, who are amazing, by the way. I don't know what I'd do without them. They're fantastic. So the head cook's cooking. The assistant cook is stamping. I'm filling trays. Um, we do have one other kitchen helper that's a volunteer that is in four days a week right now who typically does two days a week. She's she's fin- fantastic as well. She's helping scoop. We're bagging bread, bagging up butters, filling the bags that go out on the routes, the brown grocery bags. What kind of numbers are we talking about on a daily basis that you're preparing? Probably about... 1,500 meals a week, I would say, approximately. It's, Just let it's that good. sit in for a second there. Yeah. yeah. It's a good time. And what's the, what's the kitchen like? What's the, what's the, what's the vibe? What, it's, you know, it's 6 a.m. You're, you're doing a lot. This is real work. What's the energy? Is there music? Is there... There is music. It's, it's a great energy. Yeah. It is. It's, a, it's amazing. The work that we do, the love that's put into these meals, the... The atmosphere is happy. It's my favorite color is purple. Mm-hmm. And I think if you could see a color in that kitchen, it would be purple. It's yeah. it's great. It It is. It's I love going to work. And I've never been able to say that until I had this job, yeah. that I love my job and I oh love going gosh. to work every day. <laughs> yeah, that is truly something. Well, I think that's been said a couple of times on different episodes, but it takes you know, the idea that you love what you do, it's because of the people, but you need every hand, Absolutely. right, in that kitchen. Absolutely. And you talked about staffing as a challenge, but if you're understaffed, there are some pretty significant implications. You know, you're still doing it, but like, these are people who are in need. And so you clearly cherish all those hands in at 5 a.m. and rocking at 6 a.m. when you get there to make sure it's all going well. Absolutely. Yeah. Amanda, you had also started to talk about how you were on the phone with a client in your story, and then you talked about going into the kitchen. So obviously your day-to-day kind of 
varies. Are there other tasks that you do throughout the day? So there's an office in the kitchen. So while I'm running around in the kitchen, I'll periodically jump into the office and check my emails. Uh And if there's an email that comes through that needs immediate attention, like someone that is looking to sign up for meals, I'll go across the parking lot to my office that's in the other building and make those calls, get people signed up, get them put into the computer, send out the welcome letter, go back over to the kitchen, finish helping them. And then, you know, in the next 15, 20 minutes, check my emails again. So that's pretty much what my day looks like every day. Wow. So you're a multitasker. (laughs) And how? (laughs) Really? And doing real work and putting it together. And is that part of it? Is that hands-on, that tangible piece, something that is important to you? Is being in that kitchen something that you can see always wanting to be able to do, regardless of what your responsibilities may grow to? I just know that the staff that works in the kitchen, Holly, Angel, and Mallory, if I didn't have them, if I wasn't there putting in time where I was needed, because I know they need the help, I don't want them to be stressed, and I don't want them to feel like they are overworked and underappreciated. I want them to know that I'm there to help them no matter what. So if I need to be in the kitchen helping them, then that's where I'll be. Just, you know, so they know that I'm here to help. This is a great time to share the story that Lisa had sent a message to our senior leaders, Carrie Mm -hmm. Bachman and others, not even a week ago. And she included me on that email. I feel very blessed to be able to receive these great stories. But can you share the story of what happened just like a week or so ago with those, those employees? Sure. I had a vacation day. I was on a field trip with my daughters to Michigan Adventure. And Holly had gotten a hold of me just before I was leaving. And she said, we don't have water in one of the sinks. And I was like, okay. It was just one of our island sinks. It was in the middle of one of our countertops. And she said, who do you want me to call? And we use a company by the name of Green. So I said, call Green. And she said, they typically don't open until 8. And this was at like 530 in the morning. (laughs) And I said, that's okay. Is there water in the rest of the kitchen? And she said, yes, we have water everywhere else. And I said, okay, we don't have any fresh produce because that's a produce prepping sink. I said, we should be fine until 8 or send him a text message. So she was panicking a little bit because we had our six-month health department inspection coming up. And it could be any day that the health inspector showed up. So she sent a text message about 6.30, and they got back to her immediately. Green got back to her immediately. And they showed up, and they didn't want to scare her, but they said they, they couldn't find the water main. So she's calling me while I'm in the car going to Michigan Adventure. Where's the where's the main shutoff for the water? And I'm like, I, I have no idea. I, <laughs> I don't have a clue. And I said, you know, maybe Jason Packa knows. He works over in the other building. Yeah. So she's chasing people around at the other building trying to find out where the main water shutoff is. They find that it's at the road, but it's connected to the main building across the parking lot. So if they shut the water off to the kitchen, it's going to shut the water off to the other building. So that puts the other building in, in a panic as well. Okay. So everybody's kind of in a panic about shutting the water off. So then they tell her that they may have to find the pipe in the floor. They think that it's broken and leaking. So they're oh going to have to pound the tile out of the floor and it could shut the kitchen down for weeks. So she's Shut back, the whole kitchen down Shut the weeks. whole kitchen down because it'll, yeah, shut the whole water off. So she's back on the phone with me, and I'm a long ways away. Right. (laughs) She's panicking. So the water's not – they didn't shut the water off at the road. They're trying to find the problem. They've got an air compressor, a blowtorch. This guy's laying on the floor in the middle of the kitchen. And she said, he's going to come back tomorrow. This is at, like, quarter to one. The kitchen closes at one. Uh Holly's on the phone with me. She said, I'm – cleaning everything up. He's going to let himself out. He knows where the key is. I'm going to call it a day. And I said, perfect. Okay, we'll handle it tomorrow when I come back. Everything's fine. She gets ready to walk out the door and the health inspector walked in. And this this man from green is on the floor with a blowtorch and the air (laughs) compressor's running and she's ready to have a complete 
mental it's breakdown. It's not what it looks like. <laughs> right. <laughs> Needless to say, Holly answered every question and our kitchen passed with flying colors. The health inspector loved coming to the kitchen. It's one of the cleanest kitchens that she visits. We didn't have any citations. We passed with flying colors. I mean, everything was perfect. Holly did everything perfect. So I could not ask for a better head cook. I mean, Holly and Angel did everything they were supposed to do. We passed our inspection. We don't have another one for six months. <laughs> Green came back the next day when I was there. We have water. It was turned back on the very next day. We didn't have to turn the water off at the road. No, no digging through the floor. No digging through the floor. They actually went through the ceiling. How they did that, I have no idea. They're <laughs> magicians as well, I guess. <laughs> well, we don't, I don't go know. down. Why don't we go up? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay. If you're not shutting down the kitchen for two weeks, I'm good but, with And that, that brings uh, another interesting bit of trivia, maybe. You are subject to health inspections and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Because you may look and say, you know, is this working kitchen full of kitchen professionals? Is this is what you do all day and every day? But these are things that you are under, too, and you have to be conscious of that. Plus, you have a team that you have to be able to go to Michigan Adventure. How was that day in Michigan Adventure? Did you have fun <laughs> or were you able to were you able to turn things off or, or do you have to go back and reclaim that day? I was still answering my phone when I was on in were you line. down a water slide? Like, like hold on. I was in line, like, next to get on the roller coaster while I was talking to Holly. <laughs> but I knew she, I knew she could handle it. I knew she was completely capable, and I did have fun at Michigan Adventure. It was a really good awesome time. See, Kudos that's to your good team. Balance and yeah, it was Holly and Angel. Yes. Cheers. Yes, for sure. Now, Amanda, you come to Meals on Wheels with many years' experience in adult foster care um, and other things in that field. How does that relate to what you do now? Well, I first came to NMCAA as the head cook, and thankfully the houses that I worked in, they were actually behavioral homes for adult foster care. So you really have to be quick on your feet and you have to be a problem solver within like seconds. Mm -hmm. So I think that helps a lot yeah. when things are, are going very quickly, which they do in the kitchen or someone needs meals immediately, or you just have to, you have to be able to multitask and think quickly and problem solve quickly. So that helped a lot. And preparing meals for different homes with both the homes I worked in, we would prepare meals for six clients. It was a six-bed home. And then I would go over to the other house that was also a six-bed home. But you were preparing meals for the staff as well. So we were preparing not as big right? for sure. But that helped when I came into the yeah. NMCAA. Yeah. Well, you said problem solving, agility is coming up, being able to adapt. Did you find that your time with adult foster care and in the world of, of nonprofit, you find that you learn to economize, you have to do more with less, that you find that you become more resourceful that way? Or do you have more resources now than you were used to? I think it's pretty similar. I mean, you definitely, well, when when I was the head cook, you are responsible for buying all of the groceries for the kitchen. And you definitely want to be on a budget. You don't want to overspend. I mean, we are a nonprofit company. You want to definitely realize that you don't want to overspend. You don't want to be spending mindless money. Right. So that helps for yeah, sure. Absolutely. I never really considered the head cook is also the person who buys groceries purchasing yeah that's like, the that's, that's the big and and that those are high costs you know and those are things that everybody needs to understand that you know when you lament the cost of the milk when you go and it wasn't the same cost last year you have the same problem on a huge and yeah. much larger scale yeah yeah it's amazing Lisa, we want to really share these stories of our seniors in the community and show off what incredible people they are. They've lived these incredible lives and have great stories. Can you give us another client story? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this this client actually is also someone that is in Amanda's group in Cadillac. Back in March, when we had March for Meals, when uh, we were doing a fundraiser and the news wanted to come and share a story. So we went, and I'll kind of start with the end in mind. There was an amazing volunteer. His name is Mike Smith. He's been with us for so long. And so we walked in, and you could, her name is Mary, and you should have seen Mary's face just light up. 
you could tell that she was so excited for him to, to come. That was the highlight of her day. And so they, they just sat together and just chit-chatted. And at the time, she said, he's like family. It's so nice knowing that someone comes in and, you know, and really knows you. So I decided to just get a little bit more of a background because that's the thing. I wake up every day more inspired than next because these people have lived their lives for everybody else and to learn their story and how they came to Meals on Wheels and how we're helping them. So, you know, I've come to find out Mary's 94. She was born in Canada and she met her husband in like 1947. They were married 66 years and he was a machinist, well known for his work, and he was offered a position in the States. The world is so small that you don't realize it. So she came from Canada, moved to the States, and she said, we moved to a small town just outside of Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Well, my parents met at <laughs> Fort Campbell, Kentucky. My mom was a medical social worker. My dad was in the service and they met. And that's also outside of this little town, Hopkinsville, Kentucky. And that's where I was born. And my whole family immigrated from Poland and was born. And then we moved to Tennessee. <laughs> like what a small world. No, um, so just these connections that people make when you're talking about Senior Citizens Day and you know, recognizing what we have in common and what all they've shared. So she was talking about she raised five kids when her oldest was in college and her youngest was in kindergarten. She went to work in a sewing factory and she said she had been around sewing machines since she was born. She made all of her kids clothes and she loved it. And she felt like she was just she was giving back and things of that sort. And she retired after 23 years. And then her husband passed away after 66 years. And I had to ask her, so if you had one piece of advice, what would you give me? You know, after being happily married, which you could tell for 66 years, and she said, trust each other and help each other. That's all there is. And so then a few years later, after that, in 2015, she found that she was having a hard time and her family really wanted to have someone come in the home. She said, nope, I don't need anyone to come in the home. But she did realize she, she couldn't cook well. So, so someone told her about Meals on Wheels and she said, okay, I'll try it. And she did. And she has been on Meals on Wheels ever since. She said, I'm in really good health, but my bones don't work very well. <laughs> so, so she said she's had back surgery and she's had hip replacement and knee problems and shoulder problems. So she can't reach, she can't bend, she can't cook, but otherwise she's in very good health. And so having Meals on Wheels enables her to stay in her home. And this is what I was mentioning. She said she's been there for 60 years, knows it like the back of her hand, and she would never want to be you know, anywhere else. And when she talked more about Mike, who is her driver, and she talked more about Meals on Wheels, and she's so grateful. She said it enables her to not worry. It enables her five kids to not worry. They're scattered all over, and they work. One of them does live kitty corner, but works, can see when she's up and down and if she's okay, but that they don't have to worry about food. And so she wants to encourage people. If people have problems, she's like, this is what Meals on Wheels is for. And I asked her about, has it improved your life? And she said, oh my gosh, yes. She said, it has helped her live. It has helped her be healthy. And she just doesn't know what she would do without Meals on Wheels and especially Mike. Wow. I guess it's, uh, it's easy to see how you would make those connections between a driver and a client. And it may be hard not to make those connections. And, and some may be more open to welcoming you or others, and it may take some time. But I, I think there's so much to learn there and the serendipity of Kentucky and you. That accounts for the lovely timbre of your voice. I have to tell you, there's <laughs> yeah. a little bit of that. Do you hear that comfort and that yeah. cool, calm? It's a little south in there still. Did people say that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. The south is still in my soul. It is, oh, yes. Okay. I like the way you put that. Yeah, it is soul. a really nice way to say it. Very yeah. alliterative as and, well. Yeah. And Mary, Mary talked about, she said there was a northern group group that were from the north, not far from Fort Campbell, but then it was like, it was an hour or so. And she said, we would take that, the, us northerners would go up and take an hour drive to Fort Campbell to the pizza place, which my parents probably went to. The pizza place? The pizza place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it, it's just, Mills on Wheels makes me remember that the world is just really small. And the things that are special to people, having someone come in and care, having food, having someone who feels like family. And that's what Senior Citizen Day is all about. Mm -hmm. It's reaching out to people that are in your life that you may know or you may not know and letting them know, taking a moment. Everyone's so busy, but letting the senior citizens in your life know that you care about them and recognizing them for all they accomplished. When I first asked Mary, I just want to ask you a little bit about your story. She goes, well, I don't really have a story. I don't, there's not much to tell. Oh my gosh, there's so much to tell. Yeah. And, and seniors, you know, the seniors that we serve, are always so humble about everything they've given in their life. 
and they've given so much and we're just so blessed to be able to turn around and, and do a little bit for them. Everyone has a story for sure. So I wanted to take a moment to share with you some statistics on the older population in America, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. And after I read through them, I'd like to get your reaction. This is fun. This is, this is fun. We, we yeah. tried this before, and, and I think this is exciting. Yeah. Okay. So in 2020, about one in six people in the United States were 65 and older. By 2030, all baby boomers will be at least 65 years old. And older adults are projected to outnumber children under the age of 18 for the first time in U.S. history by 2034. What are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Look at the reactions. Mm-hmm. And it's probably info that you're aware of, but just hearing it in the setting, different yeah. reaction. I think it's fantastic. It's interesting, isn't it? That it is. It's- I, I think it's great that over 65 will finally outnumber the <laughs> teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> I have two teenagers at home. And I do you wish they were 65? I kind of sometimes <laughs> I it'll be nice that it just seems like, you know, they always have friends over or there's always teenagers running around my house. It'll be nice that there won't be so many, maybe That's in 2034. <laughs> 2034. <laughs> well, it, do you think these numbers will correlate with the number of clients you serve in the coming years? And d- does Meals on Wheels have the capacity? You know, I mean, I, I we, we hear about staffing and not trying to tie you to anything. I know that's a big, a uh, big question maybe to ask, but what are your thoughts on, on, on those statistics? And then what are you preparing for? Well, so I've been here for 12 years and ever since I've been here, people talk a lot about the silver tsunami, which is basically a term for exactly what you talked about. Mm-hmm. I actually read about that mm-hmm. as I was pulling these statistics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> silver tsunami and the, the number of seniors, you know, are going to increase exponentially, especially in our area. Mm-hmm. Our area is a retirement community. It's a place that people want to be. And like I said, I wake up every single day more inspired than the next to keep doing what we're doing. And so I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes, we will have the capacity. And I'll also say yes to the listeners out there and to the community. We can't do it alone. And so I've mentioned before, we're going to talk a little bit about a fundraiser coming up, that we have 30% of the funding that we receive is from the federal and state government. We're very grateful through the Area Agency on Aging. But that means, doing the math, that 70% of the funding that we receive is from federal and state funds. A challenge is staffing, like Amanda said, but you know what? People are persistent like Amanda, and it doesn't matter how many staff we have, we just, we make it work. So right now, if you're looking for a position, there's a kitchen position open in Cadillac, there's a program specialist administrative position open in in Traverse City. But if we don't have the staff, we just make it work. But one of the things that is a limiting factor would be money. People can't do anything, you know, without money. But so that's why we always reach out to the community to raise those funds through foundation grants, through individual donors, through businesses. And we are all committed throughout NMCAA to keep raising that money. And thank goodness for Erica being here. She has just raised the bar in terms of her skills and being able to get the word out about Meals on Wheels. And so many people know about Meals on Wheels. When I I did a presentation to a group and it said, how many people are familiar with Meals on Wheels? 85% of the people raised their hand Um, and people are familiar with it. But then we want to have people tell these stories so they can take that extra step to give and give, whether it's $5, $25, $25,000, and keep doing that on an ongoing basis. And then we will surely, I can't sleep at night. No, it may, sounds a little bit you know, extreme, but knowing that someone would wait for Meals on Wheels. There are Meals on Wheels programs across the country. Everyone's unique. And some of them just are not able to, to serve people, and they have waiting lists. And I always say, I just can't go to sleep at night knowing that people like Mary or the individual that that Amanda talked about or all the other stories that we have in front of us would be able to go without food. People just can't go without food. And usually Mm -hmm. when they call us, we're their last resort. And so I would say, yes, we're going to have the capacity. Yes, we're going to keep working with the community to make sure that we always can. How do you feel about that, Amanda? Same same confidence, same sentiment? Absolutely. Yeah. I have faith in our community and our our agency and most definitely in Lisa. I want to jump back for just a second. When you were talking about at the very beginning and you were on the phone with a client doing intake, what is the time frame between taking that first phone call and the time that they get their first meal? Is it 
a day? Is it a week? Is it a month? Is there a standard time? Well, for this particular individual, it was a couple of days. It just depends on where they live. Let's say someone calls on a Wednesday and they live in the Lake City area. Our Lake City route, it goes out on Mondays. Okay. So they would, if they needed meals immediately, we can get them meals as soon as that day. So they don't have to wait until the next Monday. However, if they're okay and they can wait until the delivery day of Monday, then they'll just wait until that delivery day. So it's pretty quick, pretty quick turnaround. It is pretty quick turnaround for sure. That's great. So Lisa, you mentioned you've been with NMCAA for 12 years. And so I want to take a minute and also celebrate some other employees who are celebrating some milestone employment anniversaries, if you will. All of these employees are celebrating five years with NMCAA this month. So with our child and family development team, we have Megan Compton celebrating five years, Mallory Boyd. Also, we have Kelly Sedwick, and these are all with child and family development. Then with our HEES department, we have Jeremy Tarug. And then lastly, we have with our homeless prevention department, uh, the director, Sarah Hughes, all celebrating five years this month. So congratulations and thank you for all your hard work. That's awesome. It's really fun to to hear that. And again, employees are important, but you know, longevity is a big deal. Five yeah. years somewhere is, that's a big deal. So let's jump back in. And Amanda, can you give us our next client story? Sure. Well, I, it's not one particular client. It's, it's kind of a mix of Masaki County clients. It was just kind of a a list of all of them put together. When we talked to the Masaki County clients on the phone, they, almost all of them loved the variety of foods that we're sending them. There was one particular client that loves the vegetables. They never would be able to eat this healthy without the meals that we send them, which was really, really touching to me. I think that it's great that they're able to get these healthy meals. Is that the, the big factor? We talked about another client who, you know, was concerned about their capacity to make food, you know, and, and not getting into too much minutia, but, you know, you'd prefer somebody older eating healthy. It's real easy to nuke a pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of that's in consideration. And again, it's been stated before, but these are carefully curated meals so that they are healthy and fun right. too. So there's some love into the fact that this is helping me eat the way I'd like to be, but you're taking the time to make sure that the meals are. Right, right. Yeah, and another person had said, I eat all the vegetables, even the ones I don't really like. I know they're good for me. (laughs) Oh, my God. Eat your vegetables. I thought that was great. You know, and I looked at that and I thought, you know, I should do better at that as well because (laughs) I don't really eat all the vegetables I should. And I know know they're good for me and I know I should do better. They talk a lot about the drivers. We had talked about this just a little bit ago. Roger's one of the drivers over in Masaki County. Almost every one of the people that have Roger for a driver says that he helps me if I need anything. He's he's one of the best guys. I love seeing him every week. And it was repeated over and over again by everybody that we had spoke to. They just, they love Roger. Jay's another one over in Masaki County. He's so friendly. I look forward to seeing him every week. He'll help me if I need anything. And that was repeated over and over again. So it's great to see that Roger and Jay, who are drivers out of the Cadillac Kitchen, are being recognized for being so great. You know, I appreciate that. Another couple of people had said that they're not sure what they do without the meals. One client had said that their legs are too weak to stand to cook. So that's great that they're able to just, you know, throw it in the oven or the microwave. You can cook them either way. This client had said the meals with gravy and mashed potatoes remind me of the meals my mom used to make, which I thought was so great. Well, that's, That's you know, when you think about somebody who physically can't cook, I mean, there's got to be some mental hurdle to get over. Even maybe before you reach out to an MCAA and connect with the Meals on Wheels program, just to know like, well, I've got to get to that point, but that you have individuals who are making them, again, feel like they're a part of the process. You keep on mentioning the drivers. Why are these drivers so impactful? What is the training that you're giving to make this happen? Because it can't just go without saying. So why is this happening? Well, I- Again, they love what they do as well. 
They're they're good at what they do. They care. They really care but about the trained seniors. in some way, right? I mean, they're just not. You find one somebody with a halo on the street and say, I have to say, they're trained. You know, we train them on procedures, but. One of the reasons why I love it so much is Meals on Wheels just attracts the most amazing people. It's true. And people reach out to us because they want to give back. They are not going to get rich working for Meals on Wheels. Most of them are volunteers, and the ones that are staff make at minimum wage at you know at least. So it's a lot of people that are retired or you know et cetera. They do it because of the love, and they do it because they want to. They want to give back, and many of them are seniors themselves. Roger just turned 80. Yeah. Oh, my god. And he's been working with Meals on Wheels for 17 years. June, June 1st? He was like, was fun little years. hobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just kidding. We have, we have people, you know, talking about longevity that have been drivers for 22 years, 20 years. One gentleman that volunteered with his dad for about 15 years, and then he has continued to volunteer for about 20 years. We have some drivers that are, again, they're elderly, they're seniors themselves, that drive for years is literally as long as I can. And sometimes that same week transition to becoming recipients themselves. And sometimes we have a transition of someone else maybe will drive them because they can't drive anymore, but they can get out and still bring the meals to clients, etc. So we, we train people on, you know, procedures and what you do and what you look out for and making sure people are there. And if they're not, what do you do? But you can't train someone to have a big heart and to be lovely and wonderful and to be like family that we're just lucky enough that they come to us. Absolutely. Wow. We are really lucky well, to have them. It takes some skill to recognize that. Mm-hmm. Can we give you some credit? Well, thank you. Is that you. cool? Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you. Awesome. But <laughs> but I think that says a lot. I mean, yeah. the fact that it, it may go without saying that you attract the best people, but you never know. Anybody could have any reason to be somewhere, but the fact that you're clearly the employer of choice in this that doesn't pay a million dollars a year but it's meaningful enough to like sunset yourself into the job that you, mm-hmm. I'm sta- I don't even know how mm-hmm. to articulate mm-hmm. that, <laughs> that, that the whole transfer driver into yeah. a client. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's just miraculous. Mm-hmm. And we, we just try to give people back the information about how much they're appreciated and these stories, but it's such like, oh, I know, I know it's okay. You know, but they, they don't do it for the recognition and they don't do it for this and that they do it because the when they do it themselves, the relationships that they have, they often say, I have, can I say one little story that's, it's about a driver. Yeah. Oh, did I pull it out? Oh, you know, I don't think I, I read that one off, but I'm going to say it. It's, it's a woman that was a driver for about 22 years. And so we asked for stories. And so she said that delivering with Meals on Wheels, it, there's, there's little slivers of the, the friendships she make or like the moments in time of these friendships add up to like to a lifetime of, you know, just a lifetime of specialness. I, I'm not yeah. using her exact words, but it's just amazing. And, and Mary that I spoke with also said sometimes he has just a few minutes. Mike has a few minutes. Sometimes it's even a second. But it's the quality of when someone reaches out and you can see really cares. It's those moments in life that sort of add up to a lifetime of making people feel special and that's, that's, that's what incredible. I don't know do. if everybody in their daily job life can say things like yeah. that. Obviously not always wine and roses. And, and there are things like a budget and money that you have to deal with. So Lisa, you mentioned when you were here last, and that would be episode two, if anybody's keeping track and wanting to listen to all episodes. <laughs> Meals on Wheels has to fundraise 70% of the annual budget. What's coming up in August for Meals on Wheels in terms of fundraising? What would you like to share yeah. about that? So Eric and I have been collaborating and, and coming up with something. And so one of the things that's, that's kind of unique with universities across the country is a giving day. People are familiar with other giving days like Giving Tuesday and things of that sort because there's sort of urgency around the giving day. But one university I found out about had a giving day. And in one day, they raised $3.8 million with 12,000 donors. And I said, I want to do that. (laughs) And so I came to Eric and I said, how can we kind of do something like that? And again, Erica has the skills. We have a website that you can go to at mealswheelslove.org where you can give. And we have different ways, different levels that you can give. All are welcome, but a way for you to kind of put your head around what you're doing. So there may be a, we're calling it adopt a route. And it could be that you maybe will support, say, a senior in general, the concept of a senior for a week for a certain amount or a route for a day, mm-hmm. things of that. So you can kind of really put your head around what you're what you're really giving to. Mm-hmm. 
And so how people can support. So we're going to see how much money can we raise in a day? I'm like all the other you know places do. So yeah. so this website we're going to you can give. You can share a story, whether you're an individual that receives meals or a volunteer or just someone who's heard about meals that has a connection with meals and well someplace else sharing a story. You become an ambassador. And so maybe you you can share an email or share social media with somebody. The goal is just is to spread the word as much as possible and see how much we can raise in a day. And the goal is so we can. We can raise as much as we can. So when the silver tsunami is here, it's going to keep growing. <laughs> we can always be there for Tsunami seniors. relief fund. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> silver tsunami relief fund. I like it. There, there you go. go. S-S-R-F. Yes. So we like it? It? Yes. <laughs> I like it. So it's August 15th. Again, one day. Again, anyone is welcome to, to, to donate any time before or after. But uh, let's see what, what all we can do with individuals, businesses, et cetera, during that day. Yeah, this is a fantastic opportunity for the community to show their love for the seniors that they love. And like Lisa said, we've been working together. And as the marketing manager, we obviously want this fundraiser to be a great success. So if you are feeling inclined to make a donation, like Lisa said, you can go to mealswheelslove.org. There is going to be a page there that you can donate to and help spread the word by sharing on your social media. You can also follow our Facebook page. I believe it's Meals on Wheels of NMCAA is our Facebook. Uh, Meals on Wheels of Northwest Michigan. Yes, thank you. So we will be sharing lots of information there as well. And you can also sign up for our email list, which will be on our webpage as well. Meals Wheels Love. That's really inventive and insightful, I think. And and it gives individuals who want to support that tangibility that like, this is what I'm supporting. Now, can people request certain drivers? Because I think this episode is going to do a lot for some of your drivers. I see you taking this really seriously, but like, (laughs) could somebody request Roger? Because I want to meet Roger. Well, well, the thing, the only thing about it is, is each driver has a particular route in a particular area. So it really right. kind of depends oh, so on where move they. Into the area if you yeah. want to yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> but I have to say, we've we've only mentioned a couple of drivers. Right. All of our drivers are well, equally like amazing and wonderful. Everyone has each one has their story and has their, their uniqueness. So I can guarantee that whoever signs up for Meals on Wheels will get a driver that's amazing. Yeah. We talked about also being able to share your story during this Giving Day campaign. So I think these stories are just absolutely fantastic. And do we have one more story to share, Lisa? Can you can you do that now? So I have one more. So this is from a woman. Her name is Jody Simmer, who she is the one now that goes out and does assessments. Amanda was mentioning every six months. And the goal of that is to um, find out how they like the meals. Is there anything that we can do differently? And are there other services like all the different departments that you've had on the other podcast that we can hook them up with or other services in the community? And is that a different assessment than the initial assessment? So there's like different check-in points and things like so, that as well? Yeah. So what we do is she does one during the first two weeks when someone starts is just to make sure that everything is okay for them. And then every six months. Wow. Yeah. So that's, it's a part yeah. of the program, but it's a huge part it's not of- not a set it and forget it. it no. Is, wow. Yeah. It's it's a it's a requirement, one of our you know state and federal requirements that we do. But I think it's a beautiful part of the program, and it's the way way more than a meal that I say is really helping people be independent. But before all that, years ago, Jody was a driver, and so she was on one of our longest routes in Grand Traverse County, and she saw everything. So she created various stories, little little snippets into the life of a day of meals and well. So I'm going to read one, and it's called Waiting for Daylight. You get you some tissues ready. You may just oh, you may boy. need one. So. Get ready, listeners. (laughs) I knocked once more, this time a little louder. There was still no answer. I walked around to the side door and knocked again. This door was unlocked. I opened it and called her name. The voice I heard was faint. I went in and found Sarah on the floor of the bedroom. She had fallen in the night and was unable to reach her phone. And this is a story about, it's a fictional Sarah, because this is, this could be so many people that, that we come across. Sarah told me that she wasn't hurt, just unable to get up. I called for assistance and waited with her until they arrived. She told me that what kept her calm was watching and waiting for daylight. Once it was light, I knew it wouldn't be long before you got here. Oh, man. Give chills. Yeah, I actually do. (laughs) Well, you know, I I guess not to be too analytical about it, but I, I guess I, put myself in in the the 
headspace of that guest. Mm-hmm. Like how scary. It's how scary. Like and, how scary. And we've we've found that. And, you know, there are alert buttons that people can have. And we've found that people have those. But they don't want to push that and have a stranger come to them. We've had this situation happen way more times than I ever thought would, would be the case. And people fall and need assistance, but they know we're going to be there. And we are someone that cares about them. We're someone that's like family to them. And we're no, we, they know that we're someone that's, that's going to help them. Um, we'll call 911. We're not, we're, we're not going to provide the medical assistance ourselves, and they probably know that, but they know that they'll be taken care of. And that is what makes me get up every day and know that it, it is Meals on Wheels and it's more than a meal because we want to be able to be there and, and help these individuals thrive. And that's what they're able to do. Yeah. So Meals on Wheels was that person's tether in the darkness, knowing that somebody's going to be here, somebody that I'm familiar with. And I can't move until that, that time waiting for the daylight. So Meals on Wheels is daylight. More than a meal. Well, I mean, if you had to typify what more than a meal is, I think that's it. I I mean, not to put a finer point on it, that is that person's survival. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and the daylight, you know, really is not to be too corny, but, you know, really is a metaphor. You know, there's a lot going on in seniors' lives. Again, they've given so much and they've done so much. But as you get older, it's hard. And you have your abilities taken away. You have your independence taken away. Sometimes you can't drive anymore. You can't cook anymore. You can't do these things. And so it's a dark place oftentimes. And it's very isolating. It can be very lonely, especially during and after and since COVID. And so um, we are like the light, these drivers. And when, when, when seniors call and talk to people like Amanda or Jennifer in Traverse City or every once in a while, I'll, I'll, I'll get a call and it makes my day. And I'm like, oh, I have an opportunity to be the light to somebody today because they don't call us unless they're having a really hard time in their lives. And we just feel really blessed that we can. It's interesting. A lot of times organizations, they're starting at a certain point that's usually positive in a way. You have that, I don't want to call it a disadvantage, but the opportunity where you're probably starting in a lower place and you need to continually work. And bring your best selves every day. And Amanda, you know, how do you bring your best self to work every day? Because, I mean, I see the stories and I see the quotes, but days got to suck sometimes. So what what is it that you bring? I just know that if I'm not my best self, I'm not putting forth or putting out my best work. And these seniors need my best work. And I have to constantly remind myself of that if I'm having a bad day. These seniors need and deserve my best work. And I have to I have to tell myself that. And that's what gets me through the day. Because there are bad days. Obviously, everybody has bad days. But I try really hard to not walk into work in that headspace. Let's right. leave it at the door. Yes. Yeah. Leave it at the door. Yeah. It's got it's gotta be a good day. It's going to be a good day. Today's a a good day for a good day. Yeah. Well, you know, there's lots of quotes about that, you know, Ice Cube uh, included. (laughs) And and, and somebody who said, whether you believe you're going to have a good day or not, you're right. That kind of mental strength is great. And do you imbue that into your team? How do you imbue that into your team by example? Or do you have a process or do you have an onboarding by which you say, these are the rules of Amanda? (laughs) I just, every single morning, I walk in with a smile and greet them with a good morning. And a lot of times... I'm told that I'm far too happy at six o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. You are way too happy. You have not had coffee yet. What are you going to act like after you have your coffee? <laughs> but it, it gets them to smile as well. And we just, you know, you have to encounter the day with a smile in that headspace that it's going to be a good day. We've talked about this a lot. And hopefully we have gotten to the point where anybody who has any uh, reservations about it or had any any challenges about contacting Meals on Wheels, hopefully this helps answer some questions and gets you on the phone. But if somebody were interested in reaching out regarding services, what is the best and most critical way to do that? Like this moment, like what's the best way to do it? And I would say, again, if they are hesitant, as, as Mary would say, if you have any any issues where you're having difficulties, just try it and reach out. And that's what we're here for. And so in Grand Traverse and Leelanau County, the number would be 231-947-3780. 
and then you would press one for Meals on Wheels. And then if, if an individual lives in Wexford and Misaki County, you can call 231-775-9781 for the Cadillac office. Well, before we wrap things up today, Lisa and Amanda, here is your one hard-hitting question. If you had one wish for the Meals on Wheels program, what would it be and why? <laughs> Unlimited funding. Yeah. So there was never a waiting list, which there's not a waiting list now, and we don't ever foresee that being a problem. But like Lisa had said previously, money is always something that it could at any point or potentially be a problem. Yeah. You know, especially with things being more expensive, such as the, the groceries, the milk, yeah, the gas for the, the cars that we use to drive the meals. Yeah. You know, everything's expensive right now. So if I had one wish, it would be unlimited funding for our program. And so we try to be creative. I'll have kind of a two-part answer, okay. which is <laughs> that the first part would be the same, unlimited funding. And the second part would be anyone over 60 that finds it's difficult to get out, please give us a call because we, we want to raise as much money as we can from everyone who can give. There's, there's donors, there's businesses, there's grant organizations. And then for the people that find themselves needing help, you live their whole life for everybody else. Now give us a call so we can help yeah. you. And we've made it clear that Lisa's sleep schedule is tied to this. So we don't want to think, <laughs> have her up nights thinking about the people who aren't calling. Please. She yes. needs rest to be able to do these things. <laughs> Absolutely. And just confirming ways to donate to Meals on Wheels. So mm-hmm. MealsWheelsLove.org. Yeah. MealsWheelsLove.org org, or call me directly, 231-346-2112, if you kind of want to talk about what that what that is, um, or send in a check to three, the NMCAA to 3963 Three Mile Road in Traverse City, 49686. Or we try to be creative. Also, if you're planning for your legacy and want to make sure that Meals on Wheels is always here and part of your legacy, we would love to be included in a planned gift, things of that sort. We'll, we'll accept anything. Perfect. Lisa and Amanda, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing the stories. Uh, honestly, it makes things very tangible. And these are people, these are our, our fellow citizens, these are our neighbors and folks who have given us so much. So it's, it's time to give back. We really appreciate you taking the time to be here with us and sharing this. Thanks for yes. having us. Yes, yes thank, thank you. you so much for having us. So don't forget, we'd like to share your community stories regarding NMCAA. So if you have a story you'd like to share about how NMCAA or Meals on Meals has impacted your life, send us an email at collectiveuspodcast at nmcaa.net. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit like, follow, or share. It truly helps continue to get the word out on all the good NMCAA does in our community. And if you'd like to learn more about Northwest Michigan Community Action Agency or the programs we offer like Meals on Wheels, or you would like to make a donation, we encourage you to reach out at 231-947-3780 or visit our website, nmcaa.net. And to our listeners today, we encourage you to continue to strive each day to do something to help yourself or your neighbors. Mm -hmm.